So we're in a, uh, a worship series this whole Lenten uh, season, the past six weeks, uh, talking about the term abiding. And it is a, it's a big term that I think that we kind of sometimes gloss over. We don't quite, quite understand or we maybe, maybe even just kind of take it for granted. Uh, but the idea here, the truth here, is that when um, the Lord snatches you out of the sin, stay in life that you were in, that you feel the call of the Holy Spirit and you reach out for his hand, for the Lord's hand and say, Jesus, you are my savior. I need you as my savior and be in my life, be the Lord of my life. Well, now all that happens, uh, we um, are promised the helper. We are promised the Holy Spirit who uh, swings open the doors of the heart of our home, uh, the, our, our house, like our body, right? Who swings those doors open and resides in us richly. And not only like resides, he's not a house guest that takes up your couch and eats all your food, but he resides with a purpose in place. He resides to improve and to renovate. He resides to restore and to remind, to teach and to convict all of the truth that Jesus has said and taught and has revealed to everyone. The Holy Spirit's job, one of his jobs, is to continue to teach that to us while he sets up shop in our homes. And the second is to testify on our behalf, to speak to the Lord when, when the prayers of our heart are just too heavy to, to speak. Well, guess what? That advocate shouts those prayers to, to the triune God, and that's why we know with great confidence and assurance that even when we pray, God hears it, and he's in the midst of it because he cares for you and he loves you. That's, that's what we need to take away from this abiding residence of God in our lives. And when the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit resides in us, it alters and it transforms everything about us from the inside out. Our thinking, our actions, how we perceive, how we react, and our values and our beliefs. It alters and changes them sometimes instantly. Sometimes you hear those stories of people who, who profess a faith in Jesus Christ and like instantly, just as Paul said, like the scales that fall from his eyes, changes are happening. Other times people make that commitment to Christ and it's a slower progression, but it's still progressing. And they are still walking with the Lord and being conformed more and more in Christ's image and the, the parts of us that don't produce fruit that are the addictions and the dark things he prunes away so that we can continue to grow and be, and be strong. That's probably more, can, the more for, that everyone can relate to than the instantaneous uh, uh, change, but both are in play. Changes from the abiding spirit happens to turn us to be reflectors or reflections of the kingdom of God. It replaces our earthly values with kingdom values and values that go against the natural grain of things in this world. It doesn't always make sense to the world. We look weird to the world. That's because the world is broken. And if you haven't realized, it's in active opposition and hostility against God. Active opposition and hostility against God. The world that we live in, this chaotic world post the fall of Adam and Eve, is in total rejection, opposition, hostility, does not want anything to do with God. Even, 
even us who have professed a faith in Christ, there's still a part of us that wants to rage that war, that wants to be our own boss, our own people, our own lords of our life, and we don't, we don't need anything that, that guys or women wearing muckety-muck robes up here have anything to say. We don't want anything to do with that because we can be the lords of our own lives. It's still there. But nevertheless... We who have the abiding spirit are reflectors and reflections of the kingdom. And we reveal the truth to the broken world. The remedy for our personal brokenness and hostility. We reveal the salvation we need. That the world needs. We reveal the person in whom salvation is found. The one who rode in on a donkey today instead of a stallion. In great humility and peace to save the world. Did you realize, those of you who are card-carrying Christians, that that's what you signed up for? Right? We've seen tremendous brokenness this past week. Have we not? From the chaos of the weather and tornadoes ripping through our country, taking lives in their wake, to the chaos of continued school-based shootings that take lives in its wake and I got to tell you, as a parent of three kids under the age of six, I'm exhausted. I'm tired of hearing that news. And I pray for my daughter every day before she goes to school for the Lord to protect her and keep her safe. And she just beams and smiles back. She has no idea as to why I am praying that prayer. We pray for Caleb too. Don't think Caleb gets out of it, but usually... (laughs) Usually Carrie drives Caleb, but you know, it's it's both. And because that's the brokenness, that's the evil that we're looking at, is that it's not just a public school problem. I grew up in the Columbine area. I was in high school when, if you remember the Columbine shootings, and it rocked the world, right? Who would have thought that it would ever continue in the way it did? But it's not just a public school problem anymore. It's preschools. It's private schools. It's it's Christian schools. It's Jewish schools and synagogues. I mean, it's, it's, it's all over. Now more than ever, God is shouting from the heavens, the world is broken. It needs the kingdom. You all, we all are the kingdom of God if we believe in Jesus and have his abiding presence in us. The kingdom resides in us. And so I think God is saying, go and be the kingdom regardless of the opposition that we may face. Saddle up those donkeys with great humility And with zeal and conviction of the abiding truth of the gospel, the world has a sin problem, first and foremost. And that sin problem is what carries out in what we see here and what we've seen in the news. I'm reminding of the Amish school shootings, not to belabor the point, but here's setting up that the world and the kingdom of God and the people of God, there is a disconnect here. But there's still something for us to do that God has called us out. If you remember the Amish school shootings in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, it's where I grew up. I can tell you where that school is. And I can tell you that my, my, where my aunt lived was across the street from that school. And so the Amish community is near and dear to my heart. And the story goes that when the school shootings happened, and all of those young, young I think it was girls, all the young girls that, that passed away, the elders of the Amish community that day went to the shooter's wife home, the widow now, because he took his life, and prayed for her and offered support for her as a sign of Christian faith, 
humility, forgiveness. I mean, that's what, what was, and the news didn't know what to do with that. Surely that had to be a show. Surely that had to be wrong. And then even Hollywood, Hollywood within a year's time, I think, made a movie and tried to paint it that, well, that's what the elders did, but the mother of one of the children, obviously, you know, they, they had a hard time with it. And they tried to portray this Amish woman rejecting everything that's going on because of how grief-stricken she was and, and that the ideals were, were false and she was being forced to walk this life of forgiveness. Because that's what makes sense to Hollywood. Unconditional forgiveness that the Amish displayed, that doesn't make sense. The world is in an open war against thoughts and prayers because thoughts got attached to prayers. Thoughts, whatever. But prayers, I saw on TV a celebrity was wearing a shirt after the school shooting in Nashville, crossed out thoughts and prayers and says action and change underneath it. And while action and change are great, it relegates prayer to be non-active. And if you in here are, 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 are angry also and you're thinking, I'm done with thoughts and prayers, please don't throw prayers out with thoughts. Because prayers are active. The person who has the abiding spirit inside of them, when they say, I am praying for somebody else, I'm not praying that, that these, these things will never happen because I would love for that to never happen, but I know that they're going to happen because our world is broken and sin is running rampant and this is how it shows up. What I'm praying for is the very real active presence of the Holy Spirit in that parent's life who got the call so that they could breathe so that they could have peace and strength to walk through the most hellacious moment of their lives. For those in the tornadoes who lost, I'm praying for peace in the midst of the storm, for strength. And if there's a chance that we can go and help, great, let's do that. But first and foremost, Lord, send your spirit to them because that's what's going to be needed for the next few days is to rely on that strength. And that is active. That's a kingdom value. That's evident of Christ in our lives. Oh, my friends, but the world, the world doesn't understand that. The harsh reality is they don't understand the kingdom and beliefs, the abiding spirit of Christ in us. They don't get it. And therefore, they don't understand the church. They will not accept our values, our prayers, or our actions. And they greet them with hostility and rejection. Today, we learn about the hostility we may face in the abiding in the spirit and the light of truth. For when we abide in the light, it reveals the light of truth of the gospel, and the darkened world cannot understand it. And so, the thing to remember today is abiding in light reveals the truth. And Jesus is now going to call all of us, first his disciples, but all of us by extension, to go and just live in that light radiate and reflect the kingdom that reveals the truth to a world that really doesn't care to hear it, but to do it anyways. So, regular ray of sunshine today. Let's go into John chapter 15, uh, because in here, even though I'm going to go a little dark, I'm going to bring us out on the light here, so just bear with me. Jesus gathers his disciples. We just got done with this beautiful abide in my love. Love one another as I have loved you. And this is how you will show the world 
that you are mine, and this is how you will keep the commandments, by how you love one another. And then he turns the corner and also doesn't shy away from the next truth that comes from abiding in him. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 16, uh, 4, because it kind of carries into the next chapter. Let me read it to you and highlight a few things, and then we'll, we'll chit-chat real quick. If the world hates you, Jesus says, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. If you want to keep on keeping on in your life and rack up all of the worldly joys and jewels that are here and rack up all the worldly values that are present here, because this world has values, it sure does. It wants to be good, but by its own standard. If you want to be a part of that, Jesus says, then go on and do that, and then the world will receive you. But uh, uh, you are not of me then. That's the flip side of that. The world would love you as its own because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you, stands in opposition. Remember the word that I said to you, Jesus says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they're also going to keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, on the fact that you are associated with me and that I chose you. Because they do not know him who sent me. They don't know the Father. And that's probably the biggest truth bomb right there. Because Jesus isn't only just talking about the disciples. He's also talking about the, the area that they're in. And now if you were a card-carrying Jew, Jewish person and you heard somebody say to you that you think you know, you think you have it all under control and that you're believing the right thing, but you're not. And in fact, because of that, you are in direct opposition of the one true God. Obviously, that's how hosannas get changed to crucify, crucify. It's getting into their stuff. He's saying, if you're not of me, then you're not with me, even if you think that you are believing in me. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, them being the Pharisees and the rulers and the people of, of the Jewish faith, if I had not come and spoken, now, and I also want to be careful here, don't, don't look at Jewish people as, oh, you silly, stupid people. This is for everybody. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse of their sin. When I looked at this this week, and I've read this over, I don't know how many times, and I kind of gloss over that part because it's, it's a hard teaching. He's saying, if I didn't come, and I didn't reveal all this stuff, and I didn't carry out all the signs, and I didn't fulfill the scriptures, and I didn't let them know, then they could be not guilty of, of, of sin. And I want to be like, whoa, question. In Romans, we are told, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter. We are born sinful. That's the hallmark of the Reformed faith. You are born into this sin. You can't escape it. And now Jesus is sounding like, well, wait a second. There seems to be a, a covering that if they didn't know or have never heard, then they're all good and everything's fine. Why is the problem with that? That means that if there are people in the reaches of this world who do not know who Jesus is, when they die, they'll be okay. And the problem with that is 
That means Jesus isn't the way to the Father. I don't think that's what he's saying here. That's not what he's saying. I think what he is saying is that if I didn't come to my people and I didn't show them all these things and I didn't, and I didn't you know, fulfill all this stuff and point them that they're in the wrong their direction, they would not have sinned this great sin of rejection where they're completely in opposition to me and the Father and therefore not chosen, not part of the people. In the book of Acts, Paul talks about this, this covering of over the time where they were ignorant to it. And some people teach about that, about the time of Abraham and, and Moses, and that they were held to the accountability of what was revealed to them. But now Jesus is saying, I've busted open all those doors. I have fulfilled their scriptures. I have shown them. I have taught them. I have given them my word, and yet they still reject. And now they don't have any excuse. And now the world doesn't have any excuse because I have displayed and revealed the will of my Father. That, that, that Greek word there for no excuse means to cloak, means to hide. It reminds me of Psalm 139, where can I hide from your spirit? Jesus, nowhere. I've, I've made it known. And he continues on, whoever hates me hates my father also. And so we're seeing the flip side of abide. If you abide in my love, you abide in the father. But if you hate me, then you also hate and reject my father. If it had not been done among the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that was written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But when the helper, the abiding spirit, the spirit of truth, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Go into that broken world as chosen, pulled out ones, but sent back in to be magnifiers, revealers, radiators, whatever it is of the light and the kingdom truth of Christ. Said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that they are doing it as a service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What is the main point of this whole thing? The main point of this whole thing is that the world cannot handle the truth. Y'all remember that movie? You can't handle the truth. Remember that, right? That's what I keep hearing when I wrote this whole, I thought about even putting a picture up there. The world cannot handle the truth, but still needs to hear it, witness it, and be changed by it. Because we are living out a message in such opposition to the norm, we can expect and receive the same hostility and persecution that Jesus received. That's what he's telling them. Uh, basically, I'm going to leave, you're going to be here, and you're going to carry this on, but please be expectant of the hostility and the persecution, even the death that's going to come from that. Now remember, all the disciples, after Jesus pieces out and after the church gets off the ground, they're all basically martyred, right? J uh, Peter wanted to be martyred upside down because he wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same way as Jesus. And the early church experienced extreme hatred and death. Why would they want to continue on with such great zeal and conviction? 
Well, my friends, it's, the truth is it's because of the abiding spirit within them. After receiving the Holy Spirit, they got a spring in their step that was something supernatural. All the dots connected in their minds and they realized this is the one true God. And if he's the one true God, we're following and doing everything he's called us to do, regardless of what may come. The Spirit reveals their own brokenness. They've accepted it, and their desires have changed to be the desires of the Lord. To say to people, come and hear and see the man who has told me everything. Jesus tells his disciples to expect the world's hostility to expect hatred, violence, rejection, and death. And yet they continued to preach and teach his word. In your bulletins, there's a quote from Martin Luther that talks about if you want peace, then stay silent about Christ. But if you want to go and send that message out and live that out as kingdom-valued people, then expect the hostility to come in return. I say if you want shalom, which is peace with God, you need to be the kingdom value radiators of light in the midst of the storm to ground people in the truth and security that we get from Jesus. And Jesus also gives the reason then too in this scripture for the world's rejection. The reason why the world rejects it is because they do not and will not know the Father. They don't want to have that experience. And the reason being is that if we have that experience with God, if we have that experiential experience with him, the mirror gets showed up and it reveals the truth of what? Our brokenness, our sinfulness, the things that separate us from the Lord. How many of you like to look at those things? You all don't do a self-assessment and look around and, and the, the <laughs> into your, your sinfulness and things like that and wonder why? Yeah, I don't do it either. But that's what happens when we come to know Jesus. It's a light that shines and opens up all the doors and windows in our lives to say, this is the reason why you need me. John 3.16, famous verse. But if you ever read it all the way through, listen to what he says here about this. 3.16 and following. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We got that? That's good. Understand that. That whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. Good. Got it. See it at football games. We're, we're, we're good. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Okay, good. You're not here to judge. It's here to save. All this is great. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe who does not have experiential knowledge, who has not been chosen, who does not have the Spirit abiding in them, is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is then the judgment. Light has come into the world, so there's no excuse. Light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. No one wants light shining when you're doing bad stuff. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his works should be exposed. We don't want people knowing that we're bad. But whoever does what is true comes to the light 
so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Isn't that a great sense of hope for all of us who place our faith and belief in Christ? That we've embraced the light. We have seen where it has, has shined in our lives. And we have offered that up to Christ as a, as a sacrifice to say, God, this is why I'm broken and only you can handle it. The call for those to abide in truth is to be lights and to live your life out in spite of the rejection you may face. And that is difficult for someone like me because I want people to like me. Is that so bad? <laughs> Have you ever been in that, ever look at the Enneagram? Enneagram 3? That's who I, that's what I test as. An Enneagram 3, it's a personality test. And an Enneagram 3 does everything in their power to make sure that people like and accept them. Now, you can imagine as a pastor <laughs> that has run into some difficulty. <laughs> you all are great, but some of you don't like me. No, no, this <laughs> No, but I mean, it's true. It's true. And I'm thinking everyone in, in this room wants to have people like them. But Jesus is saying, go live these kingdom lives out. And if you do it in such a way that radiates the truth, that radiates the light, there are going to be people who don't like you. There are going to be people that are not going to accept. So then why do it? Why sign up for something like that? That sounds miserable. But to have that attitude is probably an attitude in which the Holy Spirit is not convicting your heart. Because when we abide in the Spirit and the Spirit abides in us, our desire and our love for the Lord overpowers our desire and love for the world to accept us. Because the message is just too great and just too awesome. So I'm going to live this out. And I'm going to, 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 sh to hopefully share with people the hope that I have. And if I run into my Christian brother and sisters and, and, and we're in a situation where they're, they're doing something that they shouldn't, I'm going to, in great humility, love them and talk to them about how they can ho hopefully not do that anymore. In full regard of I'm a sinner just like you. But here are ways that we could probably work on this together. Because abiding in the truth means, abiding in the light means that we reveal the truth. And the world may not be here for it. But that's okay. We're not living for this world that is passing away. We're living for the kingdom that is eternal. That a home waits for us where we will dwell and abide richly with the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, where there is no darkness and only light and truth. Live that out now because the world needs to hear it even if they don't accept it. In just a few short days, the loud hosannas turn to crucify, crucify. And the message of Christ is not one that is always widely accepted. And yet, the vast freedom that we experience when we believe in that message and are claimed as his own. Go and be abiders in the light and reveal the truth without hindrance and with a great organ playoff. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen. 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 Hosanna.